Kane. Solutions for a better America. This is your host, Herman Kane. Thank you for joining us. Because you know we're going to tell you the truth, give you the facts, and help you connect the dots to help make this a better America. Thank you for joining us today. As many of you all know, Jamie Dupree has been out and he was kind enough to record a perspective on the Indiana race that's going on today. I want to share that with you and then have Brad Milky come on to share his perspective and then I will give my perspective or I will ask Brad Milky some questions that he can't answer. But first, Jamie Dupree. When you think about it, the stakes are big for Ted Cruz tonight. Obviously, this GOP race is not going to be over after Indiana. But a loss for Cruz would really, I think, be damaging for him. And a win for Donald Trump would give him even more momentum and edge him ever near to the delegate numbers that he needs to win this race. So, you know, we can talk all we want about going all the way to June the 7th in California and more. But really, Ted Cruz needs a win. It's been four weeks since he won on a Tuesday night. You know, he can get all the delegates he wants over a weekend. But really... Cruz needs a win in a Tuesday primary, and I think it will be more and more difficult for him to go forward if he loses today in Indiana. On the flip side, a win for Donald Trump, I, I think it just makes him even more the presumptive Republican nominee. And hopefully, if that happens, then some of the anti-never-Trump folk will start to wake up and not continue to divide the Republican Party. Welcome, Brad Milkey from ABC News. Hello, Herman. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Now, your perspective on Indiana. Well, I, I think Jamie is is right on the money in that it's a huge week for Ted Cruz, and that's why you've seen him with Carly Fiorina, with his wife, racing around the state, trying to get any momentum that they can in these final few hours before the polls close. Um, and and like Jamie said, you know, with every, the, these races don't take place in a bubble, right? So where a few right. weeks ago uh, you saw the polls in Indiana very close, even with showing Ted Cruz with a lead. The more Donald Trump wins, the more invincible he seems, the more voters sort of warm up to him and say, hey, you know what, maybe I should vote for him. They like to vote for a winner, which is why now we're seeing these last-minute polls showing Donald Trump with a double-digit lead. And if that continues, if he wins tonight, then you've got to imagine the numbers which already favor Trump in states like California are right. just going to continue to go his direction. Well, I think you're right. And it's just a matter of waiting and let the people's voices be heard, and then we'll go from there. Now, Hillary, on the other hand... She won't be in Indiana. She's moved on to West Virginia, I think. Is that right? She's moved on to West Virginia, and what's crazy, Herman, is she's also moved on to Ohio. That's going to be her last stop tonight. You think, wait a minute, hasn't wow, Ohio, Ohio already voted? Yes. They already had their primary. Um, but that just shows you to the extent which she is already focused on a general election. She's going through coal country, talking to West Virginia and Kentucky voters this week, but also these people in rural Ohio, which she thinks are going to be very important to beating Donald Trump, perhaps, in November. That is... Uh Yep, she's already planning on uh, the general election at this point. And when you look at the fact that Bernie Sanders' campaign, his fundraising is dropping off, he has been letting people go, particularly in some of the states that they've already had the primary in. Uh, I think he's accepting the inevitability that he's not going to get the nomination. So do you think he's vying for leverage at this point? Yeah, you know, the Bernie Sanders campaign right now doesn't know which way they want to go. Because on one hand, I think you're right, that, that it is looking more and more unlikely that they're going to get the nomination. However, 
there's been a lot of bad blood built up with the Hillary Clinton campaign over the last few months. And just in the last uh, 24 hours or so, they put out a press release talking about what they call money laundering by the Clinton campaign in terms of fundraising. Clinton's got uh, these joint groups that are supposed to help not only her campaign, but also down-ballot Democrats. Well, the Bernie Sanders campaign is saying, you're not giving any of that money to down-ballot Democrats. You're funneling that into your own campaign, basically. And they're calling her crooked just the way Donald Trump is. So Really? Yeah, they didn't use the word crooked, but they did accuse her of, <laughs> quote, they, the, the quote they did offer was they did say money laundering and they did say she was looting this joint fund. And so this is a campaign that, even if they're looking to get behind her at some point, is making that very, very hard for, for Bernie Sanders supporters. Wow. Haven't heard a lot from Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the DNC chairwoman, in the middle of all of this. I think she's just kind of sitting back and allowing the perception that there's an election going on, but knowing full well there really isn't at this point. Yeah, well, Bernie Sanders' campaign would would prefer that she not get involved with anything <laughs> ever, I think. Uh, yeah, they've been, from the very beginning, they've said that the DNC was in the tank uh, yep. for Hillary Clinton. And uh, they, they did just drop their suit, though, against the DNC. Remember, they sued them back in December over yeah. the data and everything. Um, they, they, they did drop that suit, but there's still, again, just like with the Clinton campaign, a lot of bad blood between Bernie supporters and the Bernie campaign and, and the, sort of the Democratic establishment. From the ABC News perspective, have you all seen any other demonstrations at Trump rallies post the one that we saw over the weekend? Nothing like what we saw okay. in California. Right. Uh, the, the Costa Mesa one in which you saw yes. people breaking in windows on cop cars. And yes. San Francisco where you saw people running around cops trying anything to get inside the building to block Donald Trump's entrance. We haven't seen anything like that. There have been, uh, frankly, more Donald Trump hecklers showing up to Ted Cruz events than there have been uh, uh, Donald Trump protesters in Indiana. Wow. Well, it's going to be interesting to, today and tonight when we see the results that start to come in. And um, I know that uh, ABC keeps a pretty close eye on what's going on. And you all usually call the race, too, at some point, right? Yeah, that's right. We'll have polls closing at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, local time, but in Indiana, you got to remember there's two different time zones. So 7 p.m. Eastern is when we'll actually be able to make a projection if if there's if it's leaning heavily one way or the other. That's when we will uh, be able to call it. You mean Indiana is split in terms of time zone? Yeah, I didn't know this until this week, but there's a uh, out of Indiana's uh, many many counties, there's 12 of them in the central time zone. The rest of them are all in uh, the eastern time zone. So most of the state gets done voting at, at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, but then you got to wait an hour for the rest of the state to catch up. Oh, I see. Okay. When the results come in, and most and now in Indiana, like most of the other states, the voting process is pretty well automated where electronically the results are going to be tabulated and sent in such that it doesn't take that long for them to get an indication of how to vote when. That's right. That's right. And, we, and of course, we'll have the exit polls sort of showing us uh, sort of a rough outline of not only what who voters were voting for, but what they were thinking when they pulled those levers. And then after uh, after those exit polls, of course, we'll see the actual vote tallies come in and the counties are usually quite quick at getting those results into into the headquarters. What kind of questions do you all look for relative to the exit polls? Well, you know, what's been interesting these last few states have been sort of, especially in the GOP race, is gauging 
how people are feeling about the Republican system for picking a president. I mean, uh, and for picking a nominee, because as you've seen this race go on, you've seen uh, a lot of divide within GOP voters about, you know, should delegates decide who becomes the nominee or should it just be up to who got the most votes? Um, that has sort of split along the lines of, you know, if you're voting for Trump, you want to see the person who got the most votes. Other people are a little bit more open to, you know, you got to clear that majority threshold. Um, other things we've seen are questions about uh, some of the signature issues. We've seen Donald Trump do very well with uh, anti-Wall Street voters, people who consider uh, the banks corrupt. They often go for Donald Trump. And, and then, of course, we look at demographics like uh, evangelicals, who we thought would break so heavily for Cruz, not so much, at least in the last uh, five or six states. Right. Now, on the Democrat side, uh, the, the system is even more, quote-unquote, uh, imbalanced in terms of how they are selected because of the superdelegates. Do you ask questions of the Democrats in these exit polls about that? Yeah, and and again, we've seen a divide, usually based on who you're voting for, of what you think about sort of the Democratic establishment. And right. and you got to remember that these systems were put in place just for this reason to keep um, to make sure that the party still had uh, a presentable candidate, to make sure the party would still have uh, a little bit of power when they were deciding, you know, who is going to re represent that party in November. Um, going back to sort of the Mondale days of seeing candidates that. Uh, that that maybe they would have, ra have rather had some superdelegates make a few more decisions for them. But on the other hand, I think what has come to light for both parties is that the voice of the people can be suppressed, and I don't think people really understood that, especially when you have the internal division that's going on in the Republican Party. People are starting to feel as if that their vote doesn't count as much, and I think some changes may have to be made going forward such that people feel as if that they are not being disenfranchised. I mean, the party leaders are not all-knowing. They may know some things, but to make it appear as if what the people think and what the people want doesn't matter, that's not right, and that's got to be addressed also. Yeah, I, I think that will be addressed, too, and I think, you know, when you look back over the last you know, uh, almost 100 years, the, the rules have been kind of similar. However, there are rules and then there are norms. In the last 40 years, the norm has been the person who gets the most votes ends up being the nominee, and we haven't seen the rules needed to challenge that uh, since right. we haven't had such a close race that's gone on so long. And people are now starting to wonder, are these rules the right rules for our party? And exactly who should take part? And, and of course, in the Democratic side, you've heard a lot about the open versus closed primary. Should independents get to take part in our closed primary system. So, I mean, th there's a lot of decisions that both parties are going to have to make probably after this process is over as to, you know, whether they want voters to think that they're that they're being heard. Are you going to be at the Republican convention and the Democrat convention? Oh, you know I will. <laughs> I want to miss <laughs> well, it for the world. Right? I wish I didn't have to go, but see, they won't let me into the Democrat convention, so I'll have to have a you know, a direct line with you so I can find out what's going on. Well, I was going to say, the Republican convention is first, so we'll touch base there, and then by then we'll be able to exert <laughs> enough pressure on the Democrats in Philadelphia to get us all in there. Yep, we'll, we'll be in there. Well, thanks a lot, Brad, and we will talk to you soon, my friend, and thanks for filling in. Thanks for having me, Herman. You